there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my website, Facebook page, or Instagram account, and let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, please leave a rating and review or share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in to Season 2 of Living the Sky Life. Today's guest on Living the Sky Life is Maisie with Autism Career Pathways. I've been following Maisie for quite some time. I'm so inspired by all that she gives and does for the adult autistic community. So a little bit more background on Maisie. Uh, Macy has been working with neurodivergent children, teens, and adults since her undergraduate study at the University of California, Los Angeles. She moved away from the behavioral approach because she realized that supporting each one of her clients' authenticity as an autistic individual needed to be the center of any therapeutic goals. Her role as a family coach is to foster a meaningful understanding and acceptance of an autism diagnosis as a unique pathway to self-advocacy and fulfilling lives. She believes that every autistic person has a story to share to the world, and it is her passion to prepare the world to embrace and take part in his, her, their story. As a parent and professional coach, she has learned that every neurodivergent person is unique. Working with parents at home and empowering them to be in the driver's seat as competent parents who are willing learners themselves, it is an important foundation for each family. After her own autism and SPD diagnosis, she now shares her lived experiences to help parents and professionals focus on autism positivity in each individual. With her master's degree in curriculum and instructional design, she aspires to develop vocational and adaptive living curriculum for teens and adults with neurological differences. Her goal is to create resources for educators, professionals, job coaches, and business owners from all over the world to hire and support neurodivergent individuals in a variety of workplaces. Maisie is quite an incredible person, so I look forward to sharing my conversation with her, with all of you. So today on Living the Sky Life, I have the distinct opportunity to talk to Macy with um, Autism Career Pathways. I have checked out the website and it is incredible. So we're going to get into all of that and I'm going to link it up so you guys can access it as soon as we're done with our chat. But welcome to the podcast, Macy. Well, thank you, Lori. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. I'm excited to uh, chat and share yeah. what you know, I've been cooking. <laughs> yes. Well, you have quite an impressive bio. There are a lot of things um, I kind of want to dive into with that, with your background before mm -hmm. all of the Autism Career Pathways platform got started. Mm -hmm. You have uh, 30 mm -hmm. years of experience within the industry. And yeah. um, you've mentioned to me that you are autistic as well. So do you want to talk mm -hmm. a little bit about maybe your background and how you got into, um, mm -hmm. you know, working with autistic individuals and if it's your own personal experiences that led you. Yeah. To yeah. Or kind of how that came sure, to Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I think, uh, to begin with, uh, personally, I am a late diagnosed, uh, mom, uh, with uh, autism spectrum conditions. Uh, I'm also a parent of a neurodivergent and neurodivergence really is strongly rooted in my family. So I am from my grandma. So I'm a granddaughter, an aunt, a niece uh, to autistic people, neurodivergent people. I also have my mom's youngest sister has Down syndrome and she's, she's non-speaking. So I think in our family, multi-generation ways, it's like the neurodivergent people are probably more than the neurotypicals. So, so it's like all, something that, yeah. Were those all diagnosed? Like, I mean, clearly we didn't know what autism was back in no, well, the day of some of your relatives. Mm -hmm. So how did they all seek out diagnosis later or? Did you guys no, I think formally it's just my my auntie and me, mm -hmm. you know, my Down syndrome aunt and me. And but although because I came up publicly 
to uh, friends and family now, like I'm getting a lot of uh, like texts and like, oh, I think, I think I have it too. And like everybody's connecting the dot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, in, in our family, we have very, very strong women, like very successful women nice. who just won't back down and, you know, very forward thinking, very direct. Uh, and of course it doesn't always, uh, it's not always harmonious because there are a lot, there's a lot of misunderstandings and broken relationships in the past. But now that with my post-diagnosis, it really helped me to, I guess, understand that actually our neurology is very, very similar, our atypicalness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it, that's really, an inca- it's incredible and it's, it's come full circle for me, of course, with my diagnosis and understanding of like, this is why I'm here. This is why I feel very, very passionate about autism career pathways and thinking about what's next, Uh, you know, because I think the world is missing out, really. I, I feel like a professionally, I've been working with autistic kids, teens and adults for 30 years out of I, I was, a, I left uh, the field of uh, behavioral intervention after doing it for 12 years. Uh, I went to UCLA and uh, worked under the Young Autism Project. And after I finished school, I worked with the Center of, for Autism and Related Disorders and did that, worked my way up to be a clinic supervisor and moved to the Bay Area. And then and I completely, I just, I think because I am autistic in my gut feeling, it just, something didn't feel good. I just couldn't figure out how to connect. I was missing that connection mm-hmm. with my clients and I just didn't get it, you know? And to me, the success criteria is for some of my clients who were able to be successful in school and so on. Um, they just still didn't, they feel that they didn't belong. That sense of belonging in them um, was really missing. And that that was the part I think that prompted me to look for a different kind of certification training. And I got certified in relationship development intervention, which is more in the same group of like floor time, sunrise, you know, the, the DIR model. And I did that for 20 years and I left it because uh, again, um, because my adult clients are now, uh, some of them are in college, some of them have finished college, have multiple degrees, and yet they can't get a summer job at Domino's you know, because they can't sell themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I was in shock because when you're working with families, uh, implementing a relationship model, you are really part of this family. Like I, my clients, some of them have been with me for like forever, like 15, 10, 15 years. They're like my own kids. You know, I watched them really blossom and becoming their own person. And it just broke my heart, you know, even with preparation, practice, uh, working on the resume, interview practice, blah, blah, blah. They can't get a job because, you know, Mm -hmm. mom and dad can't go to the interviews. Yep. I'm laughing because my mom tried to go to an interview. <laughs> I'm laughing because that's funny, actually. It's actually funny. I know that I would right? sit right I there with like, Tyler. It was like, it was kind of funny. Um, Man, that's yes. funny. Well, so did you, did you leave then um, the career, you know, that you were explaining that you built and did yes. you dream about this autism career pathways kind of yeah fruition in your mind and then you're like you know yes. what I'm just doing this I'm gonna yes so the big question up. in my mind was like okay what's the point of mm-hmm. doing like some of my clients were with me a long time ago doing behavioral therapy right because that's that's how that's how 
the program that's we that's how we connected and then they switch over to the relationship program and I we at the clinic we only work with parents that's it we only work with parents um and and then they finish college and then now what you know and they still can't get a job even though my client knows a lot about pizza making (laughs) honestly (laughs) more than anybody but he failed to interview Mm -hmm. he failed to interview so that really prompted me to think about there has to be something better Mm -hmm. right and um that's that in 2019 I took a year off from work to just we got certified in um, customized employment and to really learn about the world of nonprofit and what's out there, what organizations are doing, learn about the system and it's a mess out there. Oh my gosh. I I mean, I I was shocked when I read one of the statistics that you have on the Mm -hmm. website that, um, that 500,000 autistic teens over the next 10 years. And this was in 2018. So we're still kind of right in the heart of it will age out of local funding support systems. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is mind blowing. I know just from the parents that I've talked Mm -hmm. to, which is a small sample size um, that have Mm -hmm. teenagers like 19, 20, and we're starting to have the discussion about transitions and services ending and all of that stuff. But to see Mm -hmm. 500,000 in the U.S. is is frightening to me that there is going to be this many individuals sitting around at home with nothing to do and they yeah. want to do something right they have yeah. desires to do something yeah so yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that the mission of um you know reading the mission of your mm-hmm. program to provide a platform for businesses and communities yeah. to access resources and learning content for better mm-hmm. recruitment retention and reward opportunities for the neurodiverse population. So I love that mission. So I'll let you kind of explain. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously when it comes to changing the perception Mm -hmm. of uh, not just autistic people, neurodivergent people. So I am very colorful when it comes to my diagnosis. (laughs) I have uh, autism uh, with sensory processing disorder, auditory processing disorder. I have dyscalculia, which is number dyslexia. Um, I also have uh, other physical challenges like the Erlen syndrome, which caused me to have constant migraines. I'm very sensitive to light and so on. So that's what I mean when I say I'm very colorful. Yeah, so I really understand, you know, um, the challenges of trying to fit in um, as a little girl. And I'll talk more later about how I was raised, because that's an important story, I think, for parents to hear. Mm-hmm. Because like when I was a little girl, there was really no diagnosis or, you know, medications or support, you know, none, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think my parents did a really good job with me, but I think it's probably because they have my aunt who is clearly like needed, she still needs a lot of support. So in our family, it's really just the way of loving somebody who is a little bit different. She's uh-huh. so loved, you know, and, and she, it, she is um, in, in, in her late 60s today. So that's, which is unusual for Down syndrome people, but she's doing amazing, you know? So in our family, that is just our culture. Uh-huh. You know, we try to include her and um, yeah. So, uh, gosh, I digress. So. What's no, it? that's okay. I just, well, in, I mean, in your experience is so relevant to oh. uh, starting a business like this or a nonprofit like uh-huh. this, because, you know, as yes. a parent, I, I'm kind of on the periphery. I mean, I feel like I know what my son needs, but because yes. he can't verbalize that and okay. what his interests are and his passions are. So through this, you know, group that you've, this website and this company that you've built, yeah. you're able to tap into all of that and really yeah. get employment opportunities and, and bridge the gap, it sounds like, yes, between yeah. employers and these interviews and 
you know, this all yes. these experiences. So now I remember. <laughs> what are you doing? This is so just redirect me as needed. Oh, okay, it's fine. <laughs> so I was leading up to the plan for the online platform that we're building. So we want to build a very robust, at a click of a button, video training resources for small to medium-sized businesses. Why small to medium-sized businesses? Because uh, those type of work environment is actually perfect for neurodivergent people. It's lower, quieter. It's you have less people like hustling around. Um, and I think the roles, uh, you know, it's, it's more systematic in nature. So like, for example, uh, libraries across America, why don't they come out and say, we're looking for autistic people to work here? Mm-hmm. And um, it's a perfect environment. And it's it's a very soothing environment for autistic people to just come in and work a couple of hours, like every day, mm-hmm. you know, and um, uh, I do believe that people don't know what they don't know the same way that I didn't know that behavioral techniques were a very small piece and not necessarily like a fit that would really prepare autistic people to be uh, independent uh, decision makers, you know, Mm -hmm. because of the nature of that. So if you wanna learn more about that, remind me later to kind of describe why, because I, I, been like it's like a it's come a full circle for me right professionally um so yeah so we want to build a a video training resources so at a click of about if you're you own a business you want to learn about uh potentially hiring uh neurodivergent people and let's say you have a secondhand bookstore you know or you have a gift shop you know, at the click of a button, it's all there, right? So okay. in order to be able to collect these videos, I have to partner with small businesses. And what I'm able to provide is a career assessment tool that I okay. develop. It's called Capable Tool. It's career assessment protocol for um, abilities beyond labels. There, I actually got it in the right. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> yes, it's, it's capable without the E. Uh, so this is uh, an assessment tool that I want to teach businesses to replace the standard verbal in- interview, which is typically very, very hard for autistic people to pass, even for speaking autistic people, you know, because mm-hmm. we just don't read the nonverbal cues and we really don't know how to embellish our skills and sell ourselves. And um, yeah, so uh, I hope to be able to do that post COVID. It's designed to be implemented in person because it's designed to tap into work potentials of um, people who are more moderately and significantly impacted by their autism, by their autistic conditions. So, so do you mean, yeah. um, mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt, to backtrack, so Go ahead. You, will it be like um, a little video pre-recorded interview kind of a thing where the, the, the autistic adult is on there and they're just kind of giving a little bit about their skills and you guys would coach and help them um, do this video and then an employer mm-hmm. that has an opening at a bookstore or something would you would say, you know, if they partner with you, you would say, here are a few people that I think would be yes. excellent fits for that. And then you can yeah. watch this video and then ask, mm-hmm. ask us questions. Yeah. Okay. So what comes out of that, the assessment, it's actually a video resume. So it's Perfect. all videotaped and mm-hmm. we're lo- really looking at three, three areas. We're looking at how uh, the job seekers self-regulate. So from the get-go, the short video clip and it's it's edited and captioned so when a business look at this seven minute clip you know they are already learning about 
sensory differences and sensory mm-hmm. accommodations. And it's actually very simple. We just provide access to fidgets. They're allowed to bring their own fidgets from home mm-hmm. or use ours, right? They all love that part and it's accessible to them. And secondly, uh, we tell the candidates to just bring something from home that you feel like it show, showcases the best part of you like what you like doing. So we always have fun. Like I have a young man who brought his uh, computer and he's a musician. So he played the track to begin with. And we have another young man who he does calligraphy and he sells uh, greeting cards. Neat. Uh, and he comes in with a set of like those cards. So he showed us how to put it together. You know, and of course we capture everything, we videotape everything. And uh, so that's the first part is to educate businesses about sensory accommodation and be able to show that it's really not expensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, exactly. And then secondly, we want to show the learning by doing and decision-making abilities. So this part Uh, We just use different kinds of activities. We have people build, we have people just put together different things and it can be customized by your own type of business, right? So if you you have an accountant company, you know, you might insert a task there that you, that fit into what you need to hire, like at the moment. Uh, And then the last part is to showcase the communication ways, not the communication abilities, because everyone is able to communicate. So this is the difference because I really want to educate others that communicate the autistic communication and the neurotypical communications are both just as valid. It's not that one is deficient or lesser, you know, and, and that is something that's really, really important to me. Um, to be able to communicate within each of the video profile. And then along with that, so we score it, there's a scoring template and it's color coded. And again, that's uh, an idea from one of the autistic uh, candidate <laughs> participant. He's like, you should just color code it, Macy. Then, then the parents, can, we can understand if it's color coded. So it's actually very simple because yeah. Yeah, the, the stakeholders are, of course, the job seekers and also potential businesses and also the parents, family members, because of neuroplasticity, we can continue to support, we can continue to get the, the neurodivergent youths and young adults to really decide, okay, I, I know I can do this part better, you know, so the whole part, the whole thing about capable is, it will allow uh, us to be able to present the personality of the person mm-hmm. and also interests and aptitudes and um, current level of skills um, and also areas of needs because the area of needs are there, it's present. But I think when you can capture the person you know, and you can picture it in your mind, oh, that person, I could see that person working for us. You know, yeah, I suppose exactly. if you just present like a resume, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just yeah. a piece of paper, you know. So so that's in a nutshell, the capable tool. So post-COVID, I'm hoping to be able to start the partnership with small businesses and meaning that we teach them how to do the tool and they provide, uh, I provide the training for them and then uh, they contribute some of the video clips and we're gonna put it back into the platform. One of the things I love so much about Autism Career Pathways uh, website Mm -hmm. is that it's countrywide. So it, it's not just where you live in California mm-hmm. that can be right. access this program and, and be involved. It's mm-hmm. anyone with um, an autistic adult that mm-hmm. has interest in j- working yeah. in their area and you're trying to mm-hmm. secure businesses 
all over the country, mm-hmm. right? To mm-hmm. be partners with this. So yeah. I think that's that's unique. There's another, um, in addition to the training programs for employers, mm-hmm. families, and then the job seekers, um, mm-hmm. you have a section on the website for autism entrepreneurship, which is so cool. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? And if yeah, you, yeah. How so, people come um, to you with that? Yeah, so on the Autism Career Pathways website, there is a tab called Job Warehouse. And what I'm trying to do is put together a list of uh, autistic-led or autistic-owned businesses. And I'm very, very careful about it, Lori, because I, if I put a company there, I want to make sure they're actually mm-hmm. supporting autistic people and not just using autism to sell t-shirts and stuff like yep. that, you know, that, or just sell products. It's just, mm-hmm. okay, let's not get me sidetracked to go there. <laughs> because I'll just go on and on and on. We yeah, have enough so issues. Don't use our platform. <laughs> typically, what the goal is to be able to show and inspire each other, mm-hmm. to show possibilities, you know, anything is possible, really, mm-hmm. if you have a uh, a special interest and you're supported the right way. You know, I, I know of um, this autistic woman in Australia who really, uh, her thing is uh, she loves animals. So she created this uh, business, uh, just home business uh, to do uh, dog massage therapy. Huh. Did, did you know that you can get certified in animal massage? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> well, maybe in Australia. I don't know what in America, but that's mm-hmm. your business. Wow. Yeah. So so this is what I mean that there's so many good ideas and companies all over the world, really, that they found their own thing, you know, but I also hear a lot of times that maybe a family is able to come up with a product and they're successful. Uh, but once they're trying to incorporate, include other autistic people, it just quickly becomes not sustainable because there are not enough demands, you know? So I, I don't know in the future, maybe if there can be an app like Glassdoor or indeed just, but for autistic freelancers, that would be mm-hmm. amazing, you know? So until we have that, I just try to do my due diligence to learn about the company and their mission, talk to them. I ask them to send me videos, you know, uh, and then I just make a list and put it on the website. So we have services, uh, we have uh, products, uh, we have fidgets. uh, Yeah, a a lot of artists. Yeah, Um, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So it's there. So whenever, whenever people need to buy something, a gift or something, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. in the future, they can just go to Autism Career Pathways and just find the product. You know, yeah. but it's yeah. And but it that that is the point is to share with each other great ideas that people mm-hmm. are doing. You know? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. Now, is there a a certain age range of um, young adult that can register, you know, to kind of be a part and to go through the trainings um, as a job seeker on your site. Do they have to be post? No, no, you know, no. Twenty-two no. The or capable, something. Or? We when we did the pilot for capable, we did it with eighteen years old and up. Okay. But when it comes to the career readiness curriculum, so that's the other thing that I'm developing. I'm developing an online uh, career readiness curriculum for youth and young adults. You know, you wanna start of course as early as possible. So I have that curriculum, I'm building it around special interest exploration, you know, and it's just like four classes and what comes out of these uh, family training series is just really a better understanding of neurodiversity paradigm. Like, how do you meet your young adult, you know, how do you meet in the middle, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, a lot of times also like the first class is all about understanding that and also undoing bad habits and learning your own implicit personal biases as parents, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, the, the challenge of 
um, supporting youth, like teens and young adults, because they have longer history of feeling like a failure. And that is something that it takes time to change mm -hmm. that. And no one really can change that. But, uh, but parents, I mean, we love our babies, right? It doesn't matter what age. I mean, we accept them. That's I always say to the parents, you, you guys are all great parents. Always say that because parents always try to do the best that they can. It's just that unfortunately we, today with social media influence and stuff and medical professionals who are also not trained <laughs> with the <laughs> right manual you know, it, it just kind of snowballs, you know, it's very hard to, if you're autistic to have autism positivity, like autism, positive autistic identity, mm -hmm. you know, which I'm trying to do through these online classes. And eventually we're just going to put it up online. And because I don't have time to read myself. But, you know, the I, I think that's important. I think the home and parents um, being able to guide, it's so important. You know, you have to start as early as possible. Yeah. Well, and we're trying, you know, from a parent perspective, mm -hmm. we try so hard. And I, I know that the, the vast majority of the people that I come in contact with and a lot of us do um, on social media mm -hmm. or wherever understand mm -hmm. where we're coming from when we're like yeah. screaming, you know, from the rooftops, we're advocating for our kids. We're trying to do the best we can. Mm -hmm. We do meet some backlash that we yeah. are not autistic personally. So we can't mm -hmm. possibly understand what it is that our kids need or want or whatever, yeah. you know, and, but from our perspective, like mine, I can only speak for me, but with my son being nonverbal and we're working every day at a, a communication method that works for him. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I I'm, I'm guessing I'm spending most of my days guessing at mm -hmm. how he feels and what he needs. And, and I'm doing the very best that I can. I really yeah, wish someone exactly, could just tell me exactly. this is exactly what this means. You know, I'm autistic. Yeah. I can tell you, this is exactly what it means, but nobody can really do that. Yeah. So I'm yeah. Trying to bridge exactly. the gap, you know, that you are right on, um, mm -hmm. which is, why uh, I try in my advocacy work to be able to be a safe place for parents to come and ask questions. And I work hard to really represent non-speaking people and, and also show autistic adults who are using AAC devices when they go into shutdown mode and so on, mm -hmm. you know? So that's my advocacy, how I bring autistic adults who are doing such a great job on Instagram, on Facebook, through their interviews and connecting them with parents and professionals who are ready to just learn a different way, you know? And I think um, it's, it's hard. I talk to a lot of autistic adults just to learn. And, um, some of them say, well, we love doing presentations. We love writing. Um, we love doing all this. Uh, but what's hard for us is the engagement part and the hands-on part. And for me, that is my strength because of my professional training. And I was obsessed, my special interests, uh, has always been sports, uh, human behavior, psychology, you know, those three things. So I'm really, really good at translating what's going on. Um, and I just want to capture all of that within the platform, mm -hmm. you know, with just including different types of autistic point of views and really helping professionals also. It's so important because the deficit model is everywhere in the yes. IEP goals. IEP goals about like student will be able to look at, you know, eye contact and things like this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like, it's incredible with all like access on the internet, you can still be under the wrong rock 
for years, for 20 years. And you can have double PhDs and still preaching the wrong thing, you know, about disability and about uh, acceptance. It's like, it's incredible. It, it's just toxic, you know. Yeah. We waste time doing that. We really waste time. Um, Okay, so if we say, as autistic adults say, okay, don't do that, right? And, and then parents are saying, we want to learn what can we do differently? You know, mm -hmm. it, but in the moment when you are with your child and you're struggling, it's not easy. It's mm -hmm. re it really is not, you know that. You know, I read um, your bit, your book, your um, like, it was just amazing the way you're just so candidly sharing. And, you know, I'm, I also, I read a lot of psychology books, my husband mm -hmm. and I, because of my work, but when it comes to raising uh, our son, there's no book that can fit exactly do this, you know, mm -hmm. there, here's a list for you for sure. It's going to work. It's going to make harmony create harmony That'd be nice that's huh not how it works it's just that's like the million dollar idea no. well and we talked before we started recording a little bit about aba and i don't want to get into a whole controversial right. you know discussion about that but mm -hmm. i mean for for, for skylar we have done aba pretty much since he was 7 exclusively only mm -hmm. because I do see some benefits in the program and they're all different versions of aba um, we've even gone through the several versions at the different centers we've gone to but um, mm -hmm. he cannot be in a traditional school system. He just can't because of the, mm -hmm. the requirements of needing an aid yeah. all to himself all day long for other things. And nobody can really, you know, provide that for us. So an right. ABA center is where he's best fit in. But I, I do understand that for a lot of families, ABA is just not the route to take. It's either mm -hmm. beneath the skills of, of a child it's too basic, you know, mm -hmm. or it's too complicated. It's too, you know, hard. So I, you yeah. have to do what's best for you. Every kid is unique, but yeah, I, I don't know. We never know what the answer is. And I feel like, like you said, we, we waste a lot of time. And with him being 18 soon, I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> like this so is making me nervous. Let, let, let's go back and I can share with you why, like in my own humble opinions, why I think it re we rely on repetitions to teach our kids, we are falling way short. So I'm not talking about just ABA programs. I'm talking about like the therapeutic support, the therapeutic goals and educational goals, you know, for autistic students, it has been built with uh, like teaching in repetitions because mm -hmm. because uh, it may seem to the guides or the adults that it's progress. But what I'm saying is this, that is not the right kind of progress for autistic people, you know? So, so um, for example, um, Autistic people have di different thinking processing ways, right? Mm -hmm. So some of us uh, see patterns, see how things fit together. Some of the different kinds of categories, the, the way we encode information and so on. It's just different, right? So therefore, learning preferences, learning preferences are different for autistic people. You know, and it's challenging for like uh, parents of kids who are not yet speaking because you really have to observe. You have to see the rhythm of the day and what they're attracted to and under what conditions they seem to understand better and so on. And of course, the number one on top is the sensory differences. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a kid who's hypersensitive to sound and light like me, you know, and how our sensory differences affect our ability to perform consistently, right? So, so the reason that I think behavioral programs have always been um, a standard go-to, I suppose, it's because 
when we take data of these behavioral changes, it seems like we can see the change happening in front of our eyes. It's the things that our eyes can measure. <laughs> you know, now all the therapists have iPad and so on. It yep. also drives me nuts because instead of looking down at your iPad, you could be connecting and supporting <laughs> your autistic client instead of looking on the iPad and so on. Okay, let's not go there. So, <laughs> okay. So these repetitions and programs it's not really um rebuilding the missing foundations for autistic people in the way that we really help them understand who am i like under what conditions that i can think clearly mm-hmm. you know if i feel like oh, the light is so bright today, you know, I have a headache, you know, I'm going to switch off the light switch, right? And and autism itself doesn't need therapy. The co-occurring condition needs to be figured out. So Skylar has a ton of co-occurring conditions and that's why yes. you have your own team that you have to build. It's, that's important. That needs to be addressed, right? Um, but the autism itself, the stimming behavior our quick quirkiness and our obsessive interests, all that, 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 that doesn't need therapy. That's just who we are. Right. You know, so, so when you get young autistic kids to like learn by repetitions over and over again, they may be able to learn to read or to do math but they're not able to connect the dots. So autistic people are smart. Mm-hmm. I have my little autistic clients who don't speak as much as I do because that's not their preference, but they're brilliant. They're like, I can't even imagine doing what they're capable of doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, um, it's, it's just not really helping them to connect the dots. Because that's what always my fear always was kind of not just to pick on ABA, but that's my only experience. But right. like you said, you know, if, if they're learning a specific task every single time, it's the exact same way. It's this, then yes. this, or you pick between this or this and only that right. if he is thrown into a situation where we don't do it the same order that he's used to, he's thrown right. off and has no idea what I'm asking exactly. or how to answer, exactly. even saying things yes. to him. We've learned over the years, if the school says, uh, the ABA center says, um, Skylar, pick that up. If he throws something and I say, pick it up or get that, mm-hmm. he's not connecting like, because I'm not saying it the same exact way. And I exactly. don't want to live like a robot. Exactly. I don't want exactly. him to memorize things. Yes. That's, that's exactly. And, and that's specific. exactly the curriculum that I'm building. I'm trying to help people to use a different kind of manual, mm-hmm. right? Because that's exactly what how I felt when I was thinking, oh my gosh, like how many more task analysis, like how many more situations that uh, we have to break down? Like I can't mm-hmm. even think of possible variations to break down for, for my autistic clients. Like a big turning point for me was a, a situation where I was working with an autistic teen client and uh, we work hard to help them to be independent doing grocery shopping. And we practice with a setup store at home and practice like we got them a wallet and everything. We practice, practice, practice. So finally, on a weekend um, day that we picked, we went to Safeway very early in the morning because we want to have quiet environment. Believe me, <laughs> I thought I over prepared and have practiced so many times, you know, at home. And um, so mom and I waited in the car. We sent him into the store with his wallet. Oh, wow. Grocery, okay. like grocery list. And we waited. It was just 20 minutes, but it seemed like an eternity. And after, nervous really, wreck. after 10 minutes, we started sweating bullets and wondering what happened to him. But we knew we were, I mean, there were people familiar with 
the family at the this particular stairway. So finally, after 20 minutes, we uh, went inside and we found him standing in front of an empty cashier. We had failed to teach him that you need to find a, a person working behind the counter. Oh, yeah. That was a huge turning point for me because it's like, this is not right. Like, I'm not getting something, you know? And I had plenty of kids who learned to read in six months or kids who were able to memorize like full sentences, responses to what's your name? Where do you live? You know, they can spit mm -hmm. out the answers. But now I know they don't know, they don't understand what they're saying. They're just mimicking you. Yeah. You know, that's quite scary, you know, yeah. because autistic people were born with reading context is not natural for us. Mm -hmm. You know, my husband tells me all the time, context, <laughs> mom, you're being random, you know, context, like all the time, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> Um, it just doesn't come to us naturally. And sarcasm, you know? all those things are like, you know, it doesn't using everything is it, literal, right? It's we're very literal, very direct, mm -hmm. you know, so, so the, the way ABA is designed is that we teach people by pictures or mm -hmm. answering to questions and so on. And it's actually very, very unnatural. If you're sitting next to somebody on the plane who asks you, where do you live? What do you do for a living? You know, what color do you like? What kind of car do you have? You know, that's really annoying. You know, that is not natural. Yeah. You know, all these things that I used to do with my little clients, you know, and using a reward, for them to respond to, not only it was not natural, I probably, I had, I, I made them comply to me, but they wouldn't do the same or share what they're able to do with other people other than me. And I used to take pride in that, but now I like, what's the point, you know? And um, using rewards, for example, you know, and, and th this is applicable to, people who have ADHD or people whose mind is just different and they have to perform according to neurotypical standards, it's very easy for them to just say, I don't care. I don't care what carrot you have in front of me. I'm not going to do it because my That's brain Skylar. just can't do it <laughs> today. I don't want to do it. And mm -hmm. therefore I must be stupid because I can't do it. It's, yeah. can you imagine no <laughs> having this kind of echo chamber in your mind that it's just part of you it's heartbreaking it is you know? and it's hard for me to watch knowing his brain is so smart he spells right. he knows what's going on around him all mm -hmm. of that but his body never cooperates it mm -hmm. fights with him for everything. Anything mm -hmm. he tries to do, his body is like, nope. So there's such a disconnect yeah. between yeah. what he wants and what he and his ability to tell us. And yeah. then he just gets frustrated and bangs or hits right. or whatever. Right, right. right. So try to for Skyler, <laughs> the sensory piece is huge. Mm -hmm. right? I and I talk to a lot of autistic women who, for example, they're brilliant artists but they can't leave the house to sell their creations because of the unexpected noises, you know, car bark, baby crying. It really hurts. It's, it shocks their system. Our sensory filter is wonky. It's really mm -hmm. not the way around it. And it sucks because when you're experiencing sensory burnout, sensory burnout it's like it takes sometimes it takes months and this is where autistic people get into shutdown and selective mutism because they just they just can't get out of it you know and it's like if you're sensitive to certain stimuli it just gets elevated like I would mm -hmm. get uh for me is increased sensitive sensitivity to light and sounds and migraine 24 7 like that lasts like two weeks. I mean, you go to bed with it, you wake up with it. Like during those times when I wake up, I just pray, Oh God, I hope today I can experience less pain, <laughs> you yeah. know, but I'm an adult. 
I know how to take my medications. I know how to just not leave the house for two weeks because I have people who support me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for autistic kids, well, many autistic adults, they don't have that kind of support. Mm-hmm. And they also just don't know how to read themselves. They have poor interoception abilities. Like, so they don't read their internal signals very well. If you can't read yourself, then you can't problem solve. Right. You know what Is, I mean? With with the training that you um, provide mm-hmm. with, um, for the candidates, for the job seekers, is some of that time um, invested on if a situation like that happens at their employer um, where mm-hmm. they're thrown off and they kind of have a sensory yeah. overload or something triggers them that they didn't realize yes. was a trigger and how to handle and process that without upsetting the workplace or, you know, whatever. Yes. Yeah. So okay. it's very important for me to build a curriculum with other autistic people because all of us are different. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the curriculum should really focus on um, translating uh, the expectations both ways about double empathy and really uh, teaching families how to nurture that self-advocacy, you know? And, and that's why I think why self-advocacy and self-determination you know, yeah, it's, those are really great words, you know, like, but, but it's actually difficult for, um, uh, there's an alarm there. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Can I just switch it off? Cause it's Mm -hmm. distracting me and then, sorry about that. Okay. No problem. Quiet work environment. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, yes. So, it's teaching our kiddos to be proactive, mm-hmm. to uh, be able to self advocate in their own ways, non verbally, and capturing what that looks like for neurotypical support people, like businesses, like employment specialists, and also for parents to nurture that. So, uh, so when you start from very, very early on, if you enroll your kids in the program that aims to change their own identity and autism is very much part of their identity, you know, and it's, it's definitely falling short to really empower our kiddos to just be able to feel themselves and be able to self-advocate in their own ways. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the so so this process <laughs> needs to start as early as possible. That's, so yeah, what would be um, I guess kind of in closing, what would be the best way for parents like us to um, you know begin the the teaching of all of those things of independence and advocacy. I mean, we're already doing a lot of that with the help of mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, practitioners and therapists and a lot of support. Hopefully people have a lot of support. Um, but what can I, what is like one thing I can do to support my child in, in other ways than maybe I'm not doing. And even now, not waiting until they're 18, 20 and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. maybe not getting. Yeah. So that's a really, really good question. I think you have to really um, fall in love with your child's differences over and over again mm-hmm. and really set boundaries with the, what kind of information, who you work with, because uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think as parents, we are the ones who can do all these things because we love our child at any age and we are the hopeful ones and we are the ones believing in our person, in, in our mm-hmm. kiddo, right? So I always say this, like a diagnosis without, self, without self-acceptance, it's going to be tough. You know, and even for non-speaking people, because I do work with many, many non-speaking people, if they embrace 
themselves, their authentic self, then they will be able to self-advocate. So my story was that when I was a little girl, I really struggled to read, you know, and I remember my mom helping me with homework. I have very, very clear memories of that. I remember her losing patience with me some days because she had to work and then come home and help me to do whatever, probably reading and math. And uh, she never really punished me. I was never punished or bright. And even when I failed all my math subjects, they never punished me. They never dangle any carrot. If I get a C minus, that's a dinner night out, like out, like to celebrate, you know. But most <laughs> of the time, I got a red mark because in Asia, you know, you get these numbers equivalents. And then if you get less than six, it's red. So when you get your report card, it's like when you get a lot of reds, that's punishment usually if you're an Asian student, you know. But I think my parents, definitely my mom had a sense that I was a bit different and, mm-hmm. um, and they set expectations. So this is what I tell all parents. You don't let go of expectations. You set expectations and, but you are flexible. You know, your good enough has to match your child's good enough. And that could be different. So for kids like Skylar, it's going to be different because of the sensory differences. Right. So if your child is in the midst of sensory burnout, it's not that you let go of expectations, you increase your level of support and accept maybe today he only has the energy to put on one shoe instead of both shoes. You know, so a lot of times I think with the noise, the behavioral training, and I hate that parents are being trained to be therapists. No, parents are not therapists. You we know, don't have the, the resources. We don't have a choice. Well, because they're being told by professionals that, well, unless your child can do all these by the age of five and then that's mm-hmm. it, you know, and that is BS. That yeah, is timelines BS. are rough on us. <laughs> that's not oh fair. Oh my gosh. That's mm-hmm. not, I mean, and also like, remember your neurodivergent child is the most, I mean, I don't have any superpower or talents, honestly, (laughs) and I'm autistic. I think the only superpower that most autistic people have is their resilience, that their ability to just do trial and error over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And parents don't understand that whenever there's a new therapist or change in schedule or like new materials or like it turns our world upside down. Change is hard. It changes hard for a reason because mm-hmm. those changes were not, should not have been created for you with a different mind, you know? And people like professionals who have schedules, I know this because I used to do that, like two hours go work with a client and then I get to go home. You know, and years later, when I did the immersion program, where we take families to stay with us for not at our house, at a hotel apartment for like a week, that was a humbling experience for for me, because then my eyes were wide open. And I understand what it was like to live with somebody who's aggressive, who doesn't sleep, where you can't travel anywhere. Mm -hmm. You can't go out to eat at the restaurant because your daughter takes her clothes off in public because she's so stressed out. Like professionals don't understand that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And our kids behave differently. um, And our, their skill sets are different in front of their therapist versus us. I mean, I could get a report that Skylar did something at school that was awesome. And I recreate it to the, to the T exactly how they said it and did it. And he won't do it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. That's frustrating. That's that's understandably (laughs) because Skylar was saying, well, I, I don't want you to test me. I already did my hard work at school. I want to perform for you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. No, I totally get it. You know, and the, the reward system, I mean, oh my gosh, it really is not working to prepare, Yeah, you know, our 
young people, autistic young people to be able to motivate themselves because they, if there's nothing for them, yeah. Um, they yeah, don't want to do a, it. It's a tough road to travel. <laughs> no, well, yeah, because it shows when I do the assessment, the capable assessment, I have some people who says, oh, that's too different. I don't want to do it. Don't yeah. even want to try. I don't want to even go there. You know, and we, we have non-speaking uh, participants who just champions went through everything. All we did was increase the level of scaffolding. Okay. They were champions. They have incredible work ethics. They are business owners. And it, it's not the functioning uh, labels. It's, that's another thing that I think parents definitely that's a message for all of the parents to just leave that behind because mm -hmm. it doesn't help to explain who our child is, right? And it's like, it's also like talking about your child in front of your child. It's oh yeah, just, that's a I, whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, okay, I do have a super hearing. That's my talent. I can hear like from the other side of the house. Like, I have that talent too. And it's not, that doesn't bode well in my family. My husband's like, did you seriously you just hear that? <laughs> like I hear everything. I could hear everything, yeah. you know? So, so that you just for parents to keep in mind. So just really find ways to fall in love with your child's differences at any age. Sometimes, you know, life takes over, like we're busy or maybe you're dealing with like severe aggression, like periods of aggression and you just, you're exhausted. I get that. But I to, to today, I remember my times with my mom and um, she just set expectations. Like it was, I have a ton of funny stories where I had a sensory meltdown, <laughs> like my system shut down. And like one time she took me to a traditional market in Asia and the smell and the noise just took oh, me bet. over and I almost passed out and I sat on a crate of eggs. <laughs> oh, and my no. mom, my mom didn't say anything. They paid, she paid for the eggs. And then she, of course, never took me to traditional market ever again, but she took me to the supermarket. She took me everywhere. She took me to work. She, we, when she had a shop uh, for her clothing line, I was working behind the counter, you know, and then my dad instilled, I gave my dad full credit for my obsession with sports because through sports, I was able to motivate myself to learn some math concepts, statistics, and that gave me a framework to learn numbers, some numbers, mm -hmm. you know? So I totally, this is what I'm saying. Back to your question. I think as parents, we are actually equipped to raise an autistic person. The problem is that we get into that crisis mode, the moment we realize that I'm not able to connect with my child, right? And, and I think with the abundance of information and training that's based on deficit model, you, your child is almost taken away from you because then you just, it's all about therapy. Therapies, mm -hmm. school, and of course, the main goal is to change this person to fit into uh, a neurotypical mold. And mm -hmm. that's just not going to happen. You know, I think we just need to have confidence in our abilities and in their abilities and things will go swimmingly. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I, I definitely right. don't think that our kids became our kids um, out of sheer coincidence. I do believe that we are mm -hmm. capable of handling this, these totally extreme capable. challenges, but you know, yeah. it just takes, takes time to dig in deep with yourself and yeah. come to a place where exactly. you're like, this is, this exactly. is it. I, he needs me. I need yeah. him. We're going to figure this out together and yeah. walk exactly. this back together. Yeah. Well, what is the name of the website so that I can, um, so people can hear it and then I'll link it up in the show notes too. But yes. So the, our website is autism career pathways. And uh, it's set up to accept donations so that I can hire more autistic people to help me build the curriculum. And the other 
curriculum or platform that I'm building is a platform for parents of young autistic kids. So it's a, a parent training, a remote parent training curriculum that is in line with the neurodiversity paradigm. Mm-hmm. So I'm building these two tracks of online platform. It's going to take me a while, but they are uh, both needed. That is that for sure. It is the goal. Yeah. Uh, is there anything? Yeah, I think. Do you have? It's a marathon, and it's not a sprint. Yeah, that that's the understatement for of the sure. year. <laughs> it for sure is. For sure. I'm just so grateful that you have taken your own personal life experience and your career experience and meshed the two to really help families at all levels, parents, the autists themselves. And I just, I mean, I'm so grateful for you and everything that you're doing. And I appreciate your time today so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me and letting me ramble. So gosh, I learned a lot. I always do. So I appreciate you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks, Lori. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.